The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back. Summer school today. We are talking the resurgent Washington Huskies 11-2 and last year. And to do that, I'm going to bring in the foremost expert. That's Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Chris, welcome to Cover 3. Thanks, man. I'm really, really surprised. Or not surprised, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This is, this is fantastic. 11-2, and two, the best Washington team since 2016, I think we can all probably yeah. agree on. Yeah, the uh, playoff team, for sure. I mean, K- Kalen DeBoer uh, comes in, and, and he had won everywhere he'd been, and I, I didn't expect them to go. I, I figured he would return their offense to competency after what we had uh, seen under Jimmy Lake, and he, he did a lot more than that, bringing in a top 15, top 10 offense, depending on, on, on what metric you like. It had to be pretty fun to cover this this first season. It was a blast. I mean, first of all, DeBoer and his staff, all top-notch guys, better people than they are coaches, which, you know, sometimes in this in this crazy college football world, you can't always say, but it is a fact. Kellen DeBoer is so down-to-earth, just a genuine guy. You know, what you get from him on the side is the same that you're going to get behind the camera. 
Um, you know, that, that kind of genuine uh, personality and character really shines through and, and it really is something that is valued at the University of Washington. And, but yeah, 11 and two, no one could have ever thought that that was coming. Again, he does come with a, a, um, a, a resume of championships from Sioux Falls, you know, and then, uh, you know, what he did at Fresno State in his short time there. But uh, Jen Cohen did her homework, the Washington Athletic Director, in finding DeBoer the right fit, the right character guy to come in after Jimmy Lake and kind of rearrange the offense uh, under Ryan Grubb. Um, obviously surpassed all expectations. The big X factor was going to be Michael Penix, the, the former Indiana quarterback, and what could he do coming off injuries. And we saw the best of Michael Penix in 2022 for sure, setting records, becoming a legitimate Heisman candidate for 2023. And then defensively, they really showed up. They they weren't the best in the world, but they certainly held their own end of the bargain and allowed this offense to get the ball back and to really make some things happen and, and completely turn that, that side of the ball, uh, not just around, but completely upside down. I mean, they were completely unrecognizable from a year ago in terms of the offense. So, yeah, I mean, for what they did in 2022, obviously the bar is set so high now for this coming season, but I don't think those guys would have it any other way. So Michael Penix decides to come back. 31 and 8 touchdown interception ratio, 8.2 yards per drop back. 50% success rate, which is like just shy of Caleb Williams at, at USC or, or or Drake May at Carolina. A, a really elite year from him. I, that's pretty well established. I'll, I'll ask you, since you get to see this guy every day, where, where can he get better? How does he take his game to yet another level if, if that's possible? Well, I think now that he's fully healthy and has had a whole season under his belt, the first season where he's been fully healthy, and you know since he's been a college quarterback, I think now can he maybe – start to use his legs just a little bit more. He doesn't have to go crazy scrambling around and be in the second coming of like a Johnny Manziel or something like that. But I think he has that element in his game. I think it's a little underrated. I think he he deliberately kind of underused it because, first of all, he wants to be a pocket guy. That's where he's at his best. That is his ultimate strength, is finding players downfield, playing and throwing with anticipation. But I think if he identifies some opportunities where he can scramble a little bit more just because defenses are so keyed in on his downfield passing ability, I think he can maybe exploit some things in the run a little bit. Um, I, I, I think, again, that was probably um, something that, you know, he probably was never going to use a ton of anyways. But I think if he can strategically figure out his points where he can utilize it, and especially with Ryan Grubb, you know, can he call maybe – a quarterback delay or a quarterback draw or something in a key moment where you know the defense is anticipating something based on circumstance and he can completely fool them with his legs. That's a situation where I think Michael Penix can still show a little extra side of him that, uh, you know, when you're talking about competing with the Caleb Williams of this world, when it comes to the Heisman uh, type situations, you got Bo Nix at Oregon. I mean, well, the Pac-12 is absolutely loaded to quarterback this fall, as everyone knows. And if he can find some way to utilize his legs, maybe just a little bit more to complete that part of the picture for the national audience, I think that will allow him to legitimately compete for the Heisman Trophy. So this offense last year was was pretty rarely stopped. When it was, the, the data says a lot of teams just kind of play, play sag, drop everybody back, and then deny the explosive play, hope to win in the red zone. It, 
as as DeBoer or Grubb talked about finding ways to you know, have more one to two, three play drives, you know, create more explosive plays. It feels like the teams that were able to to slow them down were, were the ones that did uh, did stop that and and make them just you know drive the field, which they were pretty good at, at on in, in most games. It looks like is that a, a renewed emphasis for this year? I think they always want to create more explosives, right? I think every offense in the country wants to create more explosives. There's no doubt about that. And I'm sure that that's going to be a point of emphasis for them. I also honestly think about, I think a big point of emphasis for these guys is finishing drives, finishing for, for touchdowns, finishing in the red zone, finishing on third and short, fourth and short. Um, you go back even to the Michigan State game, as, as efficient and as good as that offense was, there were a couple drives near the goal line where Michigan State shut them down. And, you know, that could have been a wide-open game. That could have been an absolute no-brainer by the third quarter if Washington had taken care of business on a couple drives where they just pretty much got stuffed at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's something where I think they want to just become a little bit more efficient at. But at the same time, as you said, if they can get those one, two, three play drives where they're hitting people over the top and they're getting – Roma Dunze open, they're getting Jalen McMillan open, they're getting Jalen Polk open, they're getting some of these younger kids like a Jeremy Bernard or Denzel Boston getting Giles Jackson open through the slot. You know, you can get some of these guys for just, you know, explosive plays, just cutting defenses open. Sometimes you don't have to worry about, you know, slogging drives for 13, 14 plays and, you know, converting three or four third downs, fourth downs, what have you. Um, So they just want to get more efficient in general. And obviously, if you can do that, with explosive plays, that's just a bonus. You you mentioned McMillan and Odunze and Polk, and I I'm really happy to see Polk uh, get an offensive coordinator who knows how to coach offense. When he originally transferred to Washington, I was like, I don't know, and I felt bad for the kid because I I had been at, at the uh, the opening back when he used to have the openings, uh, Houston, and he was really good there. And I was like, who the heck is this kid? It turned out he had he had broken his leg, I think the the one year in high school, so maybe didn't get you know quite as highly recruited. As he could have been, like I, I think he's got some real, some real ability. It, this is one of my favorite receiving cores in, in in the country. It is there one of these three guys that you think has a chance to just make it just next level, like like to where not the, not the Marvin Harrison Jr. conversation, but is there a guy who could emerge as like, oh, that's like a top three or four receiver in the country type thing? Well, if there is a Marvin Harrison comp on this Washington receiving core, it would be Roma Dunze. He's got that special blend of size and speed. You know, can high point balls, can get behind guys, but can also be a possession guy when he needs to be, can come up with that key catch on third down, can move the chains, can keep drives going. You know, he is probably the guy that's going to, of, of the, all those Washington receivers that you named, he's probably the first one that's going to get drafted, you know, this time next year. Um, you know, Jalen McMillan is just, he's clutch. I mean, he is absolutely, you know, he's he's a, a, a blanket, you know, just for, for, any quarterback out there, if you want to be, uh, you know, the, a quarterback's best friend, you get a guy like Jalen McMillan out there because he's going to find open spots. He's going to cut open the zones and he's going to be able to come up with cut, clutch catch again and again and again. But you mentioned Jalen Polk, but he's just coming from Texas Tech. He, he, you know, came from a program where they were going to throw the ball to him a ton and they've continued to do that under Ryan Grubb here at Washington. And you saw against Michigan State coming up with big touchdowns to really extend that game early and kind of try to put that game out of reach early. And he is a a guy that, you know, he is the number three at Washington right now, but he could be a legitimate number one at a lot of other programs. And that really does speak to the depth of the receiving core here under Jamarcus Shepard.
it's pretty amazing that, that they're able to keep the, the, this trio of receivers together and, and get Penix back. What One group where on the offense where they did not get everybody back, that they, they do lose three of their top five offensive linemen, uh, you know, but, but at least by a snap count. What's the concern level here? Are, are they able to have status quo? Is it a possible step forward, step back? What, what's your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, I don't know if you can completely go status quo because you do lose Jackson Kirkland, who – you know, was a stalwart of that offensive line for a long time, did have to battle through some injuries, but he is a big, he was a big time player at Washington. You add in Henry Bainavalu as the right guard, who was another stalwart, another guy who just played for years and years, uh, also had to battle through some injuries, but really stuck through it. And then Corey Luciano at center. Anytime you lose your center and lose that kind of continuity between the, between the offensive line and the quarterback, because right now the, you know, at least as far as Scott Huff's concerned, the Washington offensive line coach, that center is your quarterback. He's the quarterback of the offensive line. And they've got Mateo Mele, who's going to fill in for that role. He was the number two guy last year. He comes in right away. So in, in that way, there is a. it's not so much seamless transition, but there was a guy that was ready-made that has uh, been a veteran of that offensive line. He's going to slot right in. And then they've got a couple guys that were you know originally slated in as tackles when they came to Washington. You look at Julius Bulo on the left at left guard, and you look at – um, Nate Kalepo at right guard, uh, those guys have been veterans as well. They've played in a ton of games. Their time is now, and they have to basically just step up and take over for Kirkland and Bainivalu, and I think they'll do that. I mean, they you know you look at those guys, they're huge kids. I mean, Julius Bulo at left guard, he's 6'8", 330. I mean, as far as an interior guy, it doesn't get much bigger than that. And then you look at the other side at right guard, Nate Kalepo is no slouch. He's 6'5", 6'6", 330. Um, so they've got just some real size on the line this year. Uh, and, but I tell you what, their tackles, I think right now, are elite. You look at Troy Fautanu on the left, he's already getting All-American mentions. you got Roger Rosengarten, who's a pup on the right-hand side, as a redshirt freshman, played every single game for Washington last year, really kind of solidified that thing. Um, Washington's been really blessed lately at right tackle. Their last big-time right tackle was Caleb McGarry, who's done a phenomenal job in the NFL. Roger Rosengarten's picked up right where Caleb McGarry left off. So Washington has a really strong offensive line right now. Where they need to come up is they the guys right behind them. If they lose one or two guys, they, they've got some guys that can fill in. But will that depth show the you know show the talent, show the quality where they can step right in, be the next guy up, and without any drop off? That will be the key to see how well this offensive line does. Because you can always count on a guy going down every once in a while, whether it's short-term, just a game or two, or whether there's a long-term injury, you know, knock on wood, you know, you just, you don't want that to happen. But if for some reason something like that happens, you've got to have one of those younger guys, like a Garen Hatchet is a guy that's got to come in and he's already shown he can play a number of different positions. He is a guy that that is that is chopping at the bit to get in there and show that he's, you know, he may be a young kid, but he can play. His younger brother, Landon, just came in as a true freshman, is already kind of in the depth a little bit at center. Uh, probably Scott Huff's first true recruited center. So they've got some guys that can fill some pieces, but that starting five, it's going to be really, really important to keep those guys healthy and keep them together because I think they could be a very strong unit in 2023. Yeah, they are. That's no doubt kind of a top five, you know, top top seven offense in the country. Defensively, last year we're talking to Chris Fetters, Dogman.com. Chris, you've covered Washington for how many years now? Like about two, over twenty years now. All right, so twenty years, Chris Fetters, Dogman.com. Top fifty defense last year, 
everybody who's at least 270 pounds who played at least 100 snaps is back. That's like seven guys. They should be a pretty decent interior defensive front in the defense they run. Is there a guy in that group you could single out who could be like a, more of a difference maker than he was last year? A guy you think is primed to really take a, a big step and, and be a difference maker? Well, you know, when you talk about Washington's interior, you've got to start with Thule, Latuli Gasanoa. Uh, Thule has been the stalwart. He's been there. He's a multi-year starter. He is your, your steady Eddie guy. He's the guy that makes things tick inside. Um, I don't expect expect him to make a big monster move forward, but yet if he drops off a little bit, that is that definitely affects the rest of that line. So he he needs to really just kind of be that real rock in the middle that that the rest of the guys can count on. Now he's got guys around him. You look at Fatui Tuatele, who I mean Tuatele had one of the most storied high school careers coming out of Hawaii of any player I've ever I've ever covered. He's already in the high school Hall of Fame, and he's still in college. I mean, that'll tell you a little bit about what he was able to do when he was at St. Louis High School in Honolulu. The kid is a player, but he's always suffered from a little bit. He had a tricep injury or an injury to one of his chest muscles, and it was it just never has fully allowed him to really, I think, kind of achieve the heights that he's always wanted to have. But this is the year where I think he can make a real move, like a money-type move, like a potential NFL-type move. Um, he's always had that potential. Jacob Bandis is another guy that's right in there that I think had a monster spring uh, because Tuatele and Latui Gasanoa, they didn't play a ton in spring. Um, so that allowed guys like Bandis and then also Ulumulo Ale, uh, MJ Ale, who is in his final year, he actually moved to defensive line from the offensive line uh, a couple years ago. And this last year was kind of getting his feet wet, kind of kind of getting back to where he was. Uh, as a defensive player, because he did play a little defense in high school. But man alive, if if MJLA could come in and really be the kind of wrecking ball that I think he could be, because he's legit 6'6", 340, this guy has a potential to be a, a world beater if he could if he could really harness all of his ability. Because the last guy of that size who really came in and 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 just turned in a monster performance year after year at Washington was Vita Vea. And if he could be a Vita Vea type player, just just even 75% of Vita Vea for his senior year, what that could give that defensive line at Washington would be tremendous because you've got younger guys coming in on him. You got a you got a freshman last year in Javon Parker who came in with his twin, Armand, who was who was big dinged up and redshirted. Both of those, both the Parker boys, the twins, they're starting to come through. They played a, a bunch this spring. And so they're coming through. You've got younger kids, Linus Davis, true freshman coming in from Minnesota, didn't play a punch. He came in early this spring, but didn't play a ton, probably a redshirt this year. But you've got a lot of depth in that group. Uh, Voight Tanufi is another kid that I've got to, that I've got to talk about too. Because Voight Tanufi, especially in a situation where if, if Washington can get offenses really behind the sticks, like third long, you can bring in, they did it a ton last year, bud. They had Voitunufi at 255, 260 pounds at the nose, and the rest of their linemen, quote-unquote linemen, were their edge players. Guys like Zion Tupola-Fatui, guys like Braylon Trice, both getting All-American mentions right now. Um, you know, So that they can really mix it up a lot. They can do a lot of things defensively in terms of scheme along that front. But right now, if if I had to pick one or two guys that you're talking about that could really be impact guys that need to step up, I'd say Fatui Tuatele, Jacob Bandis, 
and Ulumula Ale are probably the three guys that need to come in and really kind of match what Tuli Latui Gasanoa has done the last year or two. And if he and if those guys can do that, then they will definitely be a force to reckon with. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fantastic. Uh, at linebacker, they lose Jeremiah Martin. I thought he had a tremendous year for them, you know, like a 3% havoc rate, which for, you know, for, for a backer is excellent. As you mentioned, they, they, they do have Braylon Trice. They, they, they do have... Uh, uh, Tupo Tula, I, I probably botched that pronunciation. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys have some unique names up there. That's uh, got, got to take a little time to learn those for sure each year. Uh, what's the drop off here? Here, like lo- lo- losing Martin and those guys. Well, definitely Jeremiah Martin was. You know, he was a stalwart on that on that edge. He came in from Texas A and M. Uh, really solidified things as as one of their key edge players. No doubt about it. They also lost Savelle Smalls to the portal. Uh, a kid who was a five-star kid coming out of high school in Seattle really had a lot of potential to be one of those impact type players, but never really fully realized it. Um, I think he was right there, right there on the cusp, but they brought in a couple of guys. Like they brought in Zach Durfee from Sioux Falls, who, you know, right now, if he could come from that, that low a program and be a difference maker in the Pac-12 this fall, it could be an incredible story. Um, you know, he didn't do a ton until maybe like the last week of, of spring ball. But boy, when he showed up, like their spring event, whatnot, he really started to show off and flashed his his quickness around the edge. Some of his his moves were were really impressive to watch. This is a kid who's 6'5", 250, really has not played a ton of defense at all. Um, is only a few years out of high school in terms of even just starting to play football. So there's a lot of miles on those tires when you talk about a guy like Zach Durfee. He could be definitely someone in the Pac-12 that that just people are talking about right now and for good reason they wouldn't necessarily know about it but i think zach durfee could be a guy that you could watch a little bit but to you know zion tupola fatui braylon trice those are going to be the bell cows those are the guys you really have to watch and then behind them you know you got durfee but you've got sakai you've got um choice i mean there's other guys maurice himes maurice himes was a kid they they it looked like he had suffered a really bad injury the very very first day of spring ball and then comes back like a few days later, running around like it never happened. Um, this is another kid. He's 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 German. Came in on an exchange deal. Uh, went to school uh, in in SoCal. Washington recruited him. Got him to sign. And he's another kid that just is nothing but just pure athleticism and potential. Another guy that's about six five two fifty, and has just really flashed it. And then they have a true freshman that came in, and Anthony James from Texas, who came in with a lot of a lot of. Um, Fanfare, one of the, one of the top edge guys out there, 
And he has shown to have an incredible work ethic and another guy uh, that's just chopping at the bit to really show people what he can do and, 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 and let people know that, hey, I didn't come in early as a true freshman just to ride the pine. I want to play. I want to get in the depth. And I think he's got a chance to maybe show something this fall. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, again, getting in front of Trice and, and, and ZTF is going to be a monumental task for any of those guys. But they've got some potential, so we'll see what happens. Chris, uh, in the secondary, they, they do lose two of their top four. They, they add in Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State. They add in uh, uh, Barkins from Oregon just actually yesterday, if you guys are, are wondering, we're recording this on the uh, the afternoon of the 23rd or kind of late morning uh, where, where, where Chris is on the West Coast. What's your assessment here of, of the secondary? Uh, those, the losses look substantial, but uh, maybe they're not. That's why we have summer school to ask you. Well, again, they, you know, losing Julius Irvin to, to injury, a guy who's going to retire, that was tough. I mean, he is a guy that that was a veteran presence. They moved him around a corner, safety. He was very versatile, had the kind of body you could do that with. And then losing guys like Zachary Spears, Cameron Williams, you know, they, they just they they lost a few bodies and they really needed to fortify again. So they went back out to the portal. They got Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State, a kid who was a stalwart in the Big 12, played a ton of years there. Just veteran experience, veteran, veteran, veteran. Not the biggest kid in the world. He's probably 5'9", um, but they love him out on the edge. They love the way he competes, and um, I think he's got a chance to be a starter for Washington week one. And then on the other side, they've got a bunch of young guys. Uh, they did bring in a Juco guy in Thaddeus Dixon, who I think is is got the body type that Julius Brown, the, the Washington uh, DB coach, loves to see. Six foot six one, probably about 180, 190, uh, was a ball hawk, had a few picks in spring football. And then they had a bunch of guys that came back that that really were were tested in 2000 in, in 2022. Young guys like Devon Banks, who's still a little banged up. Elijah Jackson really earned his stripes last year corner. Uh, Michelle Powell, who's the real veteran of that group, but he's probably going to be playing more of the husky, which is their kind of their nickel. In, in in the defense that's run by William Inge and Chuck Morrell, the Washington's co-defensive coordinators. So he's been moved kind of more in the slot as a slot corner. But uh, I think Elijah Jackson was the guy that really emerged uh, in spring ball, really showed that he was ready to take that next step. He's kind of the guy that I think the, the Washington coaches are hoping can make that impact. But again, Devon Banks, a real ball hawk. Uh, you know, bringing in Darren Barkins. We'll see what happens with him. Another kid, not the biggest kid in the world. 5'9", 170, but I'll tell you what, he was also recruited really heavily out of high school by Jimmy Lake. And if anybody knows anything about Washington football the last few years, Jimmy Lake may have not had the greatest tenure as a head coach at Washington, but as a coordinator and as a defensive backs coach and an evaluator of high school defensive back talent, there's very few that could compete with Jimmy Lake on that level. And he had offered Darren Barkins out of high school. So clearly they saw something out of him. My initial thought, not really having seen Barkins play much at Oregon, but just looking at his specs and what he's done, also being a special teams guy, I'm kind of wondering if they're looking at him as a guy that can compete at the slot corner, the Husky with Michelle Powell, for instance. Because they, they there's a guy that is now playing for the New England Patriots, guy by the name of Miles Bryant, out of Washington, that's same size, 5'9", 5'10", 180, whatever. And he was so good at the line of scrimmage for a smaller kid. Just snuffed out the run, great instincts, 
just knew where to be. And I'm wondering if, if they see Darren Barkins as that kind of player as well. So right now, if I had to if I had to really look at the secondary, you look at Jabbar Muhammad, I think he's got the, the one spot on lockdown on the corner. Other spot could be Thaddeus Dixon, could be Elijah Jackson. I give the nod to Jackson right now, but there's a few bodies uh, in there right now. The slot corner, Michelle Powell, I think Barkins again could play. Uh, but they've got veteran leadership at the safety positions too. But they've got Asa Turner at one of those safeties. They they took uh, Dominique Hampton from the slot corner and he and moved him back uh, to safety where he was naturally kind of that's where he got recruited at Washington. And he's a thumper. This is a kid legitimately 6'1", 6'2", 220, and he can he can pound people. So they they like that enforcer type with him, a guy that can come down the box, really create some havoc. And so I, I think that's right now, that's that's probably how the secondary shakes out after spring ball. Chris, I got to ask you about special teams here. Uh, they had an awesome kicking game last year. And although they did not punt much, they had the, one of the least efficient punt units in the country. In fact, this is the largest gap. I just found this out today. The largest gap between field goal efficiency and punt efficiency in the nation last year was Washington. Now they lose their field goal kicker unless did Peyton Henry get, get a, a COVID year or is he gone? No, he's gone. Peyton okay. Henry's gone, and I, I think I want to say he had gotten some looks in the CFL, but I don't, I don't know if he's stuck already. But you know, again, they start so early compared to the NFL. But uh, yeah, Peyton Henry's one of I think four or five players in Pac-12 history with 400 points or more total in his career. What Peyton Henry did at Washington was absolutely unique and phenomenal. Um, to replace him is going to be a huge task, and they didn't go out. Washington did not go out and get a scholarship kicker. They have two kickers right now that kicked in the spring, and they're both walk-ons. One's Grady Gross, who's a who's a right-footed kicker. He was their their kickoff guy last year as a true freshman. And then they've got Addison Schrock, who's a left-footed kicker, who was basically Henry's uh, heir apparent or the guy that would have backed him up last year. So, you know, you've got the left-footed guy in Schrock. You've got the right-footed guy in Gross. They both, I would say, had really strong springs but didn't really distance themselves because – the, I just don't see a lot of special teams work in that area in spring. It's so sure. much more about getting the return game going, the cover game going, that I don't. they didn't really give a lot of opportunities for the kickers to go out and go through a full-on competition. So those guys are going to be duking it out in the fall for sure. Um, we'll see who has it. I think Gross has the, the stronger leg, but I just get the sense that they, they like Schrock because I think he's maybe a little bit more accurate. I, I don't get the sense that it's a two kicker situation where if they go a certain, you know, Distance. if it's 45 and beyond, they might use one guy. And if it's inside, they might use another. I, I don't get that sense either. I think they, they want to stick with one guy, but you mentioned the discrepancy in punting and, 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 and place kicking. And basically it was a very unique situation last year because they did bring in a scholarship punter in a grad year from uh, I, uh, Idaho state guy by the name of Kevin Ryan. And he, and he had one punt the entire year. And I think that was like in total mop-up time. Um, Jack McAllister, a walk-on from the local from the area here in Seattle, uh, ended up being their main kicker. And Washington's kicker before, or punter before Jack McAllister, was a kid by the name of Race Porter, who was like a two- or three-year starter out of O'Day High School right here in downtown Seattle. So they, they like bringing in the walk-on guys, developing them into the kind of guys that they want. McAllister is a kid that can traditional punt, he can rugby punt, he can roll out, he's a decent athlete. He can kind of do everything they need him to do. And so this year is the year where he needs to show himself as the man. 
because he could legitimately be a two or three year guy. I, I, I'm a little stunned, frankly, right now, but that he's not on scholarship already. They do have an off a uh, scholarship uh, based on our numbers that they could give to him maybe before the season starts. So we'll see what happens with that. But there's no doubt that the punting situation needs to improve, but they feel very confident in McAllister that he can give them exactly what they need. It's kind of one of the situations where because Washington uh, punts so infrequently, it doesn't really show up. And you're looking on a per punt basis. I'm like, damn, 129th is like generally the only schools you see down there are, are max schools because they don't have enough athletes in, in their reserves to actually cover people uh, you know, well or, or maybe like, like a New Mexico or something like that. So that that's encouraging that, that McAllister is improving. Uh, Chris, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this one. I really appreciate the time today. And I, I think I know the answer. But other than quarterback, what? When you're at practice and you're watching, where, where is the spot, the, the position group where you're like, okay, the drop-off from starter to reserve here is just huge. They cannot afford to lose the, you know, these guys because the backups just – not they'll never be able to play, but if they got to play them this year, they, they, they got trouble for them. Well, it's tough because, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say running back, but because there were enough running backs that weren't necessarily going full-time in spring, it just feels like there's still a lot of question marks there. Because Cameron Davis had the best spring that he's had since he's been at Washington. And he comes back as the leading rusher after Wayne Talapapa graduated. So, that, you know, he is considered the number one guy right now, and there's really no question about it. And that's even getting Daniel Ngata from Arizona State. They got Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State, who they're completely high on, and for good reason. I think he's the total package. He's exactly what Ryan Grubb wants in that offense, a guy that can run the ball between the tackles, but can also – is, is equally adept at catching the passes out too because he caught a ton when he was under Mike Leach. And so, you know, they've got a, a ton of those guys, but they just didn't really show a ton in spring. They didn't run a ton. I mean, they even have a true freshman in Tybo Rogers that I think Husky fans should be absolutely ecstatic about. I think this is the kid who's the future at the position, but at the same time, it's just hard to know exactly where they're going to go after Cameron Davis because there's really – a truckload of guys behind him, but there wasn't one guy who really established himself as the go-to guy after Davis. So I'm really interested to see what happens there. Uh, I would honestly tell you that it's 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 really the the, the uh, defensive backfield. It's just it's tough to know how the depth is going to sort out once you get past the initial guys. And again, I think that's why they went after Darren Barkins, for instance. I think they really felt they needed to get another cornerback to fill that. To, to fill a hole and and he's a kid that I think just based on his resume could fill multiple spots he could be a corner guy but he could be a slot corner guy so he could he could fill in a, a couple different roles there so right now I do think it's it's the secondary I don't necessarily think they have the most question marks but I do question whether or not the depth is there where the next men up can come in and there's a seamless transition from the first team to the second team Chris, we'll all be watching to see if Washington can capture that Pac-12 title this year. I know we're all going to visit dogman.com, and I really appreciate the time here on Summer School. Hey, absolutely. So, Season can't come here quick enough, but I'm ready to go. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car like a legendary camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive you can count on your new camry to get anywhere you need to go And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Hey guys, back again here with Bud Elliott's College Ball Summer School on the Cover 3 Podcast. Today we are talking UCF, a really exciting time for the Knights as they enter the Big 12 and to help us talk it. We're going to bring on Stephen Leonard of Knights 247. Stephen, what's going on? Not much. Thanks for having me on. I uh, watched the show when I was interning. So There you go. I appreciate that. Uh, so 9-4 and four last year, kind of a top 50 type team. I, I thought they were a little better than that, I guess, with some of the power ratings. That bowl game was a little uh, little, little awkward and dropped them in the power ratings some. But uh, still a, a solid year for UCF. Maybe not quite the year they were expecting to have with, with Tulane. Ended up winning the American Conference, but it's still a, a pretty good step uh, for them. On offense, where I want to start, Plumlee at quarterback sort of gave us what you saw of him playing quarterback at, at, at Ole Miss, explosive runner, pocket presence, not great, lack of explosive pass plays and downfield connection. Have they talked about ways the offense will evolve with him this year, assuming he's he's still the guy? Well, they did bring in uh, the new offensive coordinator, Darren Hinshaw, um, and he's more of a pro-style offense. He likes to throw the ball down the field. Um, and he is the – Plumlee is the guy. They, they've made that pretty clear from spring. He looked a lot better uh, with his footwork, which was a big issue for him last year. And also his connection with uh, Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson has improved from what I've That's- seen. So they they expect what little little less design runs, I assume, with with more of a pro style offense there. 
I would I would expect more downfield passing. Yeah. So three of the four top receivers from last year uh, do return. They lose O'Keefe to Boston College. You, you mentioned Baker. Is there anybody who you would expect to become a, a, a top guy who's not one of those top three already? Uh, I assume Townsend would be the other of those three. Um, okay. I, I think uh, Chauncey Magwood would probably be a guy that's transferred in from Kentucky, looked really good in spring. I think he's going to be that guy that rotates in. Awesome. Uh, so they, they lose three offensive linemen off this offense uh, who were either first-team All-American all Conference but via the Riders or first-team All-American Conference via pro football focus. Uh, and they brought in a lot of transfers in the offensive line. I think four or five uh, th- that I counted up. Can you walk me through kind of who you expect to be starters on this, on this unit and, and what this unit looks like to you? Um, so they return Tylen Grable and Lokahi Paoli um, at left tackle and right guard. And those spots are pretty locked down. I know Grable had an injury through spring and couldn't really play but he should be back for uh, fall camp. And then they brought in Marcellus Marshall, who is an all-Mac first-team uh, tackle, and he's going to move into guard and battle Adrian Medley, who was injured last year, um, who was supposed to start at guard but got injured in spring. And um, they brought in Amari Kite for that right tackle spot from Alabama. I think he was the number three PFF grade. For Alabama last year, but he played like limited snaps, obviously. And uh, Drake Metcalf from Stanford and Bullish Schmidt from Fresno State are going to be battling at center. Okay, so it looks like they have, they have some fairly decent options there. Tempo wise, what do you know about Henshaw? Are we expecting to run a, a more up tempo than, than what Gus was running? A, a less up tempo? What, what's kind of your feel there? Um. I, well, there's this saying like UCF fast, and a lot of the players have reiterated like UCF fast is coming back. So I, th- I think the the tempo of the offense will probably be a little higher. Okay, interesting. Last year, defensively, w- w- was a, a pretty solid unit in most games. Had a couple where they you know, gave up some points, but still a, a, a pretty solid unit. One of the better ones in the American. Uh, everybody but one defensive tackle returns. Nobody really had elite numbers up front. What, what do you make of this unit? Is there somebody who could break through who, who's looked really good in spring for you? Um, Lee Hunter looks completely changed. I know he was the oh. third D tackle last year. Um, redshirt freshman, really just trying to embed himself to UCF, came in from Auburn. Uh, he's definitely taken a step forward, kind of locked down a starting spot uh, next to Ricky Barber. And then John Walker, obviously. Highly touted freshman, uh, he's looked he's looked the part um, as that third rotational guy. That's huge. It, it, just the the hunter note there for for listeners at home who don't know uh, a, a transfer from Auburn. He was a really interesting recruit. The good plays on the highlight tape were awesome. When you watched other players from his high school on their huddles, the effort level he was giving oftentimes in plays that did make the highlight tape was was poor, uh, to put it charitably. So if they actually have him, what, I assume he, he's in better shape now too. Like if that's happening, that's, that's a big deal. There's not a lot of guys who have that, the, the ceiling that, that Ali Hunter has the floor obviously has been established as 
you know, it's poor if, if his head's not in it. Is, is he in like better shape now too? Uh, I think that was what they were trying to do last year was get him in better shape. That's why I think he, he started playing a lot more towards the end of the year last year because he was starting to get it, like both his mind and his body. That's fantastic. Uh, so they everybody at the linebacker, both inside and out, returns with the exception of Gene Baptiste and Yates. So a, a decent amount of experience returning. Is there somebody here who, who you feel confident is going to step up and take those roles? Um, Yates does come back, by the way. Oh, Yates is back. Oh, yeah, sorry. he is that that last year of eligibility. Is it, he's got one of those the COVID years. Okay. Yeah, he. I think he redshirted at Savannah State when in his like last season there because he tore his pec. Um, okay. So, so really, it's just Gene Baptiste. Yeah. So they brought in the Ryan Davis uh, guy from Georgia, had a little bit more experience, and um, they also brought in Isaiah Paul from Washington State, but like he played all of his years at Incarnate Word. Uh, so they really just wanted to beef up experience because they have a fairly young unit. Uh, Cam Moore looked good last year. Uh, he was forced to start against Tulane the first game. He looked pretty good, almost probably should have had a fumble return for a touchdown, but he he forgot to pick up the ball, <laughs> uh, which is a freshman mistake. First start, it's going to happen. But. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you, would, the, would this unit be, be one that you'd project to take a step forward from last year? Uh, I think it was probably the weaker point of the defense last year. I'm, the numbers don't really show that. Like, I think Jason Johnson led the team in tackles. Gene Baptiste was higher in it. But just from watching them, their coverage and their run stopping kind of lacked at, at points. I, I think the numbers actually really do support your claim there on, on Jason Johnson. I mean, it led the team in tackles, but a, a havoc rate of, of 0.7%. So like, uh, under one for your top linebacker is really not – not making an impact. I mean, just kind of cleaning up stuff, but not not getting a lot of, of stops, to, to your point there. Uh, defensive backfield. So, Devontae Brown transfers to Miami. Uh, Devon Wilson, I believe, is graduated, right? Yeah, he's um, on the Jaguars. There we go. So, on, on the Jaguars now. They bring in four or five transfer defensive backs. Can, can you help me make sense of what this room's going to look like? UCF did a great job in the portal, I feel like, but I'm not really sure who's going to play and, and who's going to be more of that backup role. Um, yeah, it seems like, uh, Brandon Adams has locked down one of the starting spots, uh, over the spring. He was a quarterback in high school, came in as a safety and then moved to corner his freshman year and started right away. Uh, he's looked pretty good. Uh, very tall athletic guy. Um, and then they brought in DeCorian Patterson who led the nation in interceptions last year. So you'd assume he ends up taking the other spot um and then they have Nikai martinez in the slot with uh Braden marshall backing him up so uh, and then you also have guys like don't. fred davis um and jameric morris could get in that rotation um and then at safety that's more of an interesting position because they had a lot of players out in the spring so you don't really know uh Jiry wilson to Jordan Mask were really taking the mantle there. But you had Quadric Bullard, Dylan Lester, and uh, Jarvis Ware all out with injuries. So 
gosh, is is where a guy who will be back uh, for for the fall? You think? Uh, I don't know at this point. I think Bullard has the best chance to return early, okay. just because they all had leg injuries. For sure, yeah, that, that'd be a situation to monitor for those, those guys. Can definitely play. Uh, Steve, where would you say is the spot on this squad that has the biggest drop off between starters and, and, and reserves, other than perhaps quarterback? Oh, dang, I was going to say quarterback. Um, Everybody tries, so we we we, we got to. Oh, that is worth the discussion. Uh, to be honest, if if the drop off is huge from Plumlee to the backup, well, because and... they had both backup quarterbacks from last year transfer out, so yeah. With a guy that, that runs as much as he does and takes as many shots as as Plumlee does, that's got to be a bit of a concern, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, because your your two backups now are going to be Timmy McLean, who transferred over from South Florida last year, and he and was, was really bad for them because he transferred late. Yeah, and he he was a freshman and made a lot of freshman mistakes, so we don't know what he's going to be. And then you have Xavier Williams, who also made a lot of freshman mistakes at Charlotte last year. But all three of those um, guys can at least run if if my if if Xavier Williams is the kid I'm thinking about in Charlotte. So like at least if if you need to yeah, put him in to run. do some of the QB run stuff, that that's helpful. Um so I think the biggest drop off is just linebacker though in terms of just experience starting. Um I think Jason Johnson and Isaiah Paul are the only ones that have been full-time starters before so okay but that makes some sense in the uh in the big 12 schedule they draw what of the new teams they get what houston cincinnati they, they miss byu they have to play they don't have to play texas and they don't have to play what tcu i guess but no, no no texas no tcu that's it's kind of like a, a middle of the road draw i, I guess missing mi- missing texas tcu you have to play at Kansas State, at Oklahoma, uh, but Houston, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Baylor, and uh, Villanova, and Kent State all, all all come to you know to the bounce house. That I, I can definitely see a path for them to to make a bowl or m- maybe make a bowl even comfortably if if things uh, if things go right. The the road games that will be kind of tough. I mean, Texas Tech's not an easy road trip. You know, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas State. It, it, What's your sense as far as the level of optimism in, in, inside the building there? I think they're very optimistic about making a bowl game. I think that that should be the expectation, I feel. I think it's it's what you want to do, but it's also with the way they have their schedule set up, they should realistically open the season 3-0. Yeah. Um so you'd want to at least win 3 of your last 9 games. I think that makes sense. Steve, man, I really appreciate the time. Glad we got the audio stuff all figured out, and uh, we will have this up. Everybody can check out Nice247, and thanks for the time, man. Thanks for having me. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.